1: and uh, so we were watching and the camera caught him and she goes he does look like a cabbage actually <laughs> <laughs> I said no I think it was more that, that he was a cabbage
0: Hi guys Jack Greenish here uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa
1: That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping That's all it took as convincing a 2-0 win as they come this is a sort of 2-0 where matt target has a shot from the edge of the box where marvelous nakamba has a shot from the edge of the box this is a 2-0 where you score two goals in the first half including an offside goal not including an offside goal plus an offside goal and you don't do anything in the second half and it doesn't matter the game's already been won this was a 2-0 where you're playing newcastle so once you go 2-0 up, the game is as good as over. Um, yeah, it's exactly what you would have wanted from this game, Liam. Just beat Newcastle and move on. Like Everyone was sort of worried about the match. And that was only because anything other than a win would have been a really bad result. So Villa just got the victory and moved on.
0: Well, yeah, you say everybody was worried about the match. And you were definitely worried about it last week until <laughs> I reminded you that this was Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. I mean, pound for pound the worst team Dean Smith's Aston Villa has played. They were pathetic, rudderless, gutless, unimaginative. Steve Brucey. And <laughs> they were so bad that it was it was almost an effective approach to getting themselves back into the game. Because there were a few a few hints that the Villa players were drifting off. I mean, it's really hard to play against nothing with any sort of intensity. And some of the players, and in particular, of course, Mings, started dicking around in the ball a few times. <laughs> like When you're run by the owner of Sports Direct, your fate is sta- sealed. <laughs> Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Steve Bruce is a greying pair of your socks in the basket by the
1: checkout that nobody wants. <laughs> yeah, all he's missing is a cotton tracksuit bottle. <laughs> now, the thing that we do need to talk about is taking Jack Grealish off. I like, look, I know people will laugh at this. I know like, you know, when Fernandez comes off for United, everybody has a little giggle like, you know, oh, he's so competitive. Blah, blah, blah. You don't take Jack Greenish off, right? You don't take him off from a football point of view. You don't take him off from an entertainment point of view. Like, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Like, there's a duty of care to play Jack Greenish every minute they can play. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you don't take him off from an ego point of view. Like, especially, like, the way you just you don't take Ronaldo off, you don't take Messi off. Remember, we can still remember the time that Ronaldo came off in a match a couple of years ago for Real Madrid. Ridiculous carry on. It like, never happened again. Don't take <laughs> Messi off. And you especially don't do it when he's playing with Aston Villa. It just does not happen. Like Ross Barkley's coming off there and he's a bit annoyed. But part of me's thinking he's a bit annoyed because he didn't play that well. Well, he, no, actually, Ross Barkley did well, but he's probably thinking he could have done a bit more. Probably felt like he could have done with the extra 15 minutes in his legs. You know, so there's a few more elements in that. He's not just sort of throwing his weight around. Jack Grealish is thinking, what the fuck are you doing? You're taking me off, and now we've got an attacking midfield of Ramsey, Oghazi, and Trezeghi. Like this, <laughs> this is not my villain, mate. Keep me on. This is what happens. I, I, I just thought, oh, look, I'm overblown. This He probably doesn't care as of right now. But you know, as of right now, it's five minutes after the game, by the way. But just it's it's just a dangerous thing to do, and it's just not a a road I want to go down.
0: Yeah, I was I was just as disappointed as Jack. I mean, I watched the last seven minutes, just shaking my me head, <laughs> messing around with my socks. Leave him on. This game is shit. Yeah, like, give me something to look at. This game was over before it started. Just let Jack Grealish run around. But that like that, that really tells you how bad Newcastle are as well. Barkley and and Grealish weren't particularly good. They made a lot of mistakes. They overhit and underhit a lot of passes, and we destroyed them without our two, well, on paper anyway, our two most influential players playing particularly well.
1: And I, yeah, and obviously Grealish is probably annoyed because you know, he senses there's opportunities there to get more assists and get more goals, which is what he wants to do as well. And like, yeah, Newcastle were crying out for that like you they were they were just letting people like stand five meters outside the box and do whatever they wanted. and as you say, Villa generally did something bad with it in in those phases, but it was the most comfortable I've ever been watching a game yeah like my girlfriend couldn't believe it like she like, normally she just gets the hell out of the room and she actually sat through 60 70 minutes as much. Not believing how you just calm I was about it all, mm. um. But there is like there's also an element like obviously Greedish being a bit selfish. Obviously Grealish just loves football. Obviously he's also thinking, what the fuck? Keep me on? Like maybe he throwing his weight around a little bit, which I don't mind when you're that good. But there's also just a good element of competitiveness. Like you know, I think Villa just want to bury teams when they can, and they want to just get better. There is you can tell like there's that appetite. In the side, and there was a great interview with um, John McGinn by Greg Evans during the week. And McGinn had a nice quote where he said, "Our job at Villa is to do something that hasn't been done for a long time." I'm speaking for myself here, but there's a few of us in the changing room, so he's speaking for a few of them. Uh, There's a few of us who believe we can go and do that. And it's like, yes, like that. This is sort of what I've been saying to you. Like, you know, this is a, a season where Villa are on the precipice of making it. And it's great to hear somebody like John McGinn talking about, you know, we want to do something that hasn't been done at this club for a long time. And, and, you know, obviously Grealish wants that more than anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. and You've said it a few times as well. I mean, Villa are now just a really good team. And they are swatting aside these no-hopers that are knocking around the division. (laughs) They've done really well against the big teams. And any time they've come up against the bad teams, they've been far too good for them. Like, just way, way above their level. And add Newcastle to that list. They were absolutely dreadful, and Villa just made light work of them. And I said, without without uh, Barkley and really playing particularly well, John McGinn wasn't even playing. Yeah. I mean, this was just an annihilation without your three main centre midfielders playing, like and Dougie Louise playing out of position. It was it was. It's really heartening just to see that they can just do that to, admittedly, a terrible team.
1: So, Villa. One game later, are the benefactors of the worst rule in football, which seems to have been used in football twice in its entire history. <laughs> um, I you know Sky very quickly point out that you know this this goal wasn't looked at for a potential offside because Fabian Schär has touched the ball and a new phase of play has begun. Honestly, the, the worst. I, I, I cannot get my head around it. Like, to, to think that Fabian Schär is controlling the ball there. You know, he is diving back and lunging to get anything on the ball because Ollie Watkins is standing behind him about to score a goal. And Ollie Watkins might be offside. We don't know. We'll never know because it didn't look because Schär touched the ball. It is fucking bizarre. And as much as we complain about it on Wednesday night, and rightly so, like, we have to complain about it here. Like, Watkins might have been onside. We don't know. Like, that's that is terrible. That happened in Villa. We would be up in arms. Like, awful decision just to not look at the offside.
0: I don't know what your problem is, Conan. The rules are very clear. <laughs> if a defending player touches the ball in any context, regardless of what's happening, where any attacker is on the pitch, how much they're interfering with play, how much pressure they're putting the defender under, <laughs> if that defender touches it, he has now played everybody in England onside. <laughs> Clear as day, mate. Fabian Shaw shouldn't be swinging a foot. No, nah. it's it's an absolutely it's an absolutely insane rule, and you're right to say it's come in the last four days. I mean, Shaw doesn't try to deliberately play the ball unless Watkins is interfering with play. He's right him, <laughs> about to tap the ball into the net, and like. We can, we can complain about the, the Mings one as much as we want. This one is like, if I was a Newcastle fan, this is way worse. This is much worse than the Terrell Mings one. This is absolutely is. disgraceful.
1: Like, he, he's, he's sprinting back because Ollie Watkins <laughs> is there. <laughs> he's diving. He's touching the ball because Ollie Watkins is there. He, he has to act. He cannot act like there's a striker. The only striker there is trying to score a goal. How is that not interfering with play? Fucking insane.
0: Absolutely bonkers.
1: But, I'm so disappointed, by the way, just that, that second goal that Ollie Walken scored. Was such a nice finish. Nice run, nice finish. The offside, a shame, but um, just great to see. You. And you could tell his tail was up because of it. Um, on his bad
0: foot as well. He did one in the, later on the, in the game of his right foot and the keeper saved it. Doggy misses a sitter. But to do that with his left foot and just, just to drill it into the bottom corner is
1: absolutely magnificent. Yeah, he's a great player. Speaking of bad foot, <laughs> it turns out our boy Bertrand T has a right foot.
0: Uh, hey, That's his second goal with his right foot. Remember that delicious fake cross he played and lobbed over the
1: goalkeeper in Bristol? <laughs> uh, hang on, actually, I, I remember you... Comment, like You had said initially that he obviously meant it, and then after a few weeks of evidence, <laughs> you realised he had no interest in going on to his right foot. You came to the conclusion that he must have it.
0: Yeah, I mean, but... To be fair, the pass from Grealish makes Trory's decision for him. And to be yeah. fair, the fair story, like he executes it perfectly, but it's touched before that to come inside. Whatever Newcastle Muppet it was, take your pick. The touch is just delicious to get in the space to give it out
1: to Grealish. The pass from Grealish is
0: perfect. And yeah, it's, like it's an absolutely brilliant
1: goal. And VAR didn't bother again having a look at Andy Carroll <laughs> wrapping his studs around the Campbell's shin. Like this is another one of those and I keep talking about it and I I want this to be brought into the spotlight way more. There's just too often though that VAR are trying to move on when they feel like they can and nobody's going to be annoyed. There's a team two 0 up here in the middle of the pitch. Yellow cards being given quickly. Get the game going. Just you know, let's not cause a fuss. Let's not slow this match down and have people complain. Are you here or are you not? Yeah. Like let people complain if you think this is the right thing to do. Look at video technology and obviously it is. Like, so shit, like, stop worrying about what somebody's tweeting. Just look at the incident. Yeah. It's actually going to be a very quick incident as well. Like, look, m- maybe it wouldn't be, but even just tell the referee to go over and have a look and then let him decide. But, well, that's obviously what would happen. You know, Andy Carroll, it's it's tight. and The camera's got in very quickly, but, like, Andy Carroll does not need to be flying in, studs up. Like, you never need to be doing that in football. So, actually, it should just be a red card all the time.
0: Yeah, no, there's there's no need for the referee to go over to the, the monitor there. It's, it's an absolute stonewall red card. Andy Carroll is a scumbag. He's an he absolute is. scumbag. There's one in the first half where uh, he just jumps into Martinez and that is just that sums up that sums up Andy Carroll. He's never getting to that ball and he just decides, Oh fuck it, I'll just jump into the goalkeeper. Like what? Yeah. The goalkeeper's completely out of control there. He's just—he's there. If he gets hit there, he's fallen to the ground. So anything can happen. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm being overdramatic. It's unlikely that anything bad can happen. But you're just taking advantage from somebody who can't—who can't protect himself. He's yeah. an absolute scumbag. And the tackle on the camber is everything you'd expect from him. Once again, been shown up as being shit at the profession that he's somehow contrived to make become a millionaire from, despite how unsuited he is to that profession. And this is a—this is a player who has been given a shot by Glenn Roeder, Kenny Dogalish, Sam Allardyce, and Steve Bruce. What <laughs> a fucking parade of cavemen. Like That is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional footballer.
1: And you know, he was always a scumbag anyway, but now that he's he's done, he's finished, he's slow, he's grumpier, he, he's obviously annoyed that he's, he's shitter than he was. He's, he's a bigger scumbag. Like, you know, by circumstance of him being physically worse, but also just by his, you know, his mentality getting worse as well. And you know the fact that Andy Carroll is another name that we can add to the list of people who have more England caps than Jack Grealish just makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> I think that's a good way to tee up some WhatsApp wins just because it was a good game, good result. Not a good game. Wasn't a good game at all. Um, good result. Villa have 17 games played. They've got 29 points on the board but I've got some complaints to get out. So here we go. Some WhatsApp whinges. No team in the history of football has more passes cut out by the fullback than Aston Villa. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd say you wrote that one down pretty quickly at the start of the game.
1: Ross Barkley at it again. It's like, oh, how does this keep happening? <laughs> how can somebody so creative, so good usually, so reliable with his right foot, be under hitting so many passes. You already thought you already mentioned it at the top of the show, like that, I mean, this pass from the middle to to wide, and not wide to like the corner of the box, and always, always cut out. And it's <laughs> these will open as well. Well, tonight it didn't because they are playing Newcastle, but um, <laughs> Steve Bruce's Newcastle, Steve Bruce's Newcastle, and just like, oh, it's, it's just so annoying because there's always an opportunity to. Create an easy chance and they pass it up because they hit a pass. That
0: it's it's really really frustrating it's something that that was luckily enough not too much of an issue tonight. But it, like the, the whole start of the game, there was there was no zip from Villa. There was just they they were playing the obvious pass and they were playing it too late. And that Barkley one sums that up as well. They were really bad for the first ten minutes and then it was in, or, in or around that time. Greedy's played this first time volley round the corner and like it was just a simple pass but he spun as he played it and it was straight into Troy's feet and that was just a signal for like, let's get it to fucking Geller now and then they just absolutely steamrolled him for the next 15 minutes but yeah, th- that pass from Barkley was really frustrating.
1: Uh, just to remind people who, or especially people who might be new to the podcast WhatsApp whinges are stuff recorded in real time so I just want to qualify that before the next one. If Villa weren't such fucking losers, they'd be winning this match six 0 Yeah, <laughs> when did you? <laughs> what point of the game was that? Set? Do you know it was straight after half time? Do you know, like, well, they I think they they came out with a decent bit of purpose, but very quickly dropped off, and then because I was like, right, this is good, come out, get the third goal, Newcastle will fall apart, and they just they just dropped the tempo. They dropped the the smell of blood in their nostrils and mm-hmm. they just kept going back to Martinez and just played the game out. you know, to, to hit Peter to a halt. And it was just there. It was there to be, like, to thump Newcastle. And it's funny because, like, 2-0 is usually my favourite result for exactly the type of performance tonight where it just suggests, you know, control, that you were in control of the match. And Bill, there were two goals in the first half, but ah, they could have just, put them through the ground. They could have got Steve Bruce sacked tonight. (laughs) Steve Bruce is going nowhere, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was...
0: But, like, I said it as well at the start. It's really hard to get yourself up for something whenever the other team just isn't playing. Like, imagine just... uh, The analogy you can think of if the ball is running into the corner and I start sprinting for it, and then I turn around and realise nobody's following me. You just walk in and get the ball. You don't run full speed towards the corner yeah. to get the ball. It's a good whenever, analogy. Whenever you've got no opposition, it's it's really hard to keep it going unless you really need to. Like, Newcastle are so bad, it's hard to explain. If anybody didn't see the game, it's like you you won't believe how bad they were. Jamie Carragher picked up on something where it was it was two 0 and this is the this is the classic two 0 result in my head that Jamie Carragher was talking about, where you go two 0 up. And then you control the game from a defensive point of view. You can't sell 30% possession whenever they were 2-0 down. Yeah. Get a fucking grip. (laughs) You need the ball. You have to score three times if you want to win this game, which I assume you do. You're all professional athletes playing at the elite level. Yeah. You have to have some sort of hunger and desire. Even if you think your manager's a cabbage, even if you think that the club is going nowhere. A bit of professional pride. You're playing yeah. against a team that finished 17th last year. Now, I know they're a completely different team, but you know, those Newcastle players don't necessarily know that. They're obviously thick. So try to win the fucking game. Do something. They, they were just standing off. They were just watching Villa play the ball
1: around. A 2 0 up. Yeah. Unbelievable. But like you say get a fucking grip. Like, get a life. Like, <laughs> what is the point of this? We talked about Sean Dyche. How does he get out of bed? In the morning, like how does Steve look at himself in the mirror? I just see like you know, Sky Sport flashed up a graphic after the match, and I think it's like six losses in their last eight games, two draws. It's just it's just pitiful. Like that uh, no, that would be alright. Well it wouldn't be really, but it would be better if they were trying to do anything different. But it's mm. uh, it's just getting worse for them. Uh next WhatsApp wins even when Mings decides I'm taking no chances and being decisive, he fucks it up.
0: That was one of the funniest things I have ever seen. (laughs) Tyrone Mings somehow manages to put in a tackle while he's in possession. But
1: not only that, (laughs) he lost the tackle. (laughs) What the fuck was that? I I didn't realise he was in possession until they showed a replay and Carragher said... He should have just passed it, because <laughs> <laughs> I thought he just came out. I'm cleaning everybody and taking man on balls. Like you have the ball, <laughs> take it away somewhere else. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious! Luckily, our man Ezri was there. Yeah, yet again, Ezri saved him. I think it was uh, Ryan Fraser who went through, and Kanza just on red alert, not trusting any of the Villa team anymore. Just decides I'll I'll take control of this. Don't worry, Tyrone. I've got you again. Yeah. Enjoy the Euros, by the way. I'll be watching from home.
0: <laughs> I'll be back here watching the three Newcastle attackers. You're now burning down
1: in goal because you're a fucking <laughs> muppet. Um, fourth one, easily the worst corner I have ever seen. <laughs> well, I don't remember. You don't fuck. I can't believe you don't remember, Jack Grealish. Floating the highest ball, oh my god! He's flew back twenty meters out. Who like, has somebody marking him? So <laughs> Matt Target has to climb up to win the header, so he can head it straight back to the keeper. Yeah, like, yeah. what was that? It was that was just terrible. Yeah, it was it was a
0: it was a terrible decision, terribly executed. Like what what was the <laughs> point of that? Matt Target's not going to lash a volley from a floated corner
1: or any corner into the top corner do me a <laughs> fucking favour yeah he's not going to do that if he's completely unmarked never mind when he is marked and you just put it sky high into there yeah I oh, was
0: insane and they even even target's decision to header the ball just loop it over the top I know he has to go up and win the header but even that it didn't really stop the counter attack which is why he went up to win the header in the first
1: place <laughs> yeah uh, last one I don't know if you have any, but um, how is there a fat person refereeing at this level?
0: So I was actually worried before this game because I had never heard of him before. Yeah. And I, I looked him up. He got his Premier League debut five and a half years ago and he's, he's ref 25 Premier League games since then. Jesus. So he's obviously not trusted. And he's done a whole load of chat. Like I know, obviously anybody who's refereeing in the championship is a very good referee, but he's obviously never ever won the faith entirely to be given more Premier League games. And this is a rearranged fixture, just thrown in because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I thought, oh fuck, if they get fucked over again now, because they've given this second rate referee this second rate game. I am gonna be so fucking pissed off. Luckily enough, though, it was Newcastle who fucked over by refereeing decisions. Yeah,
1: like the referee was actually grand. You know, it was amazing. amazing. But um, just I just noticed it. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not body fascist by any means. But I just like think of how many people play football. It's the biggest sport in the world. Like you know, like the percentages to make it in football. We all know how tough it is this is the Premier League, the, the very highest level of football. And there's a fat person refereeing. Like, I find it incredible when you see so many bad decisions. And I, I always have that thought. It's like, this is the Premier League. How is there a referee who's afraid to make a decision? Or how is a referee looking at what I'm looking at and getting it so wrong because it's that level? It's, by the same token, I just see somebody who's obviously out of shape. How, how is that happening? How, how is this you know the best of the best referees in the world and it's interesting that you say like you know 25 games and obviously is thrown in for his rearranged fixture because I bet any money that and I, and I bet you all the referees as well think this and obviously the the referees board or whatever they think the FA Cup is the big thing this weekend mm. you know so all the referees are being appointed to those matches and I'm referees are so stupid that they will think I better get an FA Cup match you know, they'll think that's, that's, that's where to be. That's the equivalent to, you know, well, obviously United are playing Liverpool this week, but that's the equivalent of United Liverpool. Like, that's the, ref- that's the game I want the referee.
0: I couldn't tell you one result from the FA Cup today. And I am fucking obsessed with football.
1: I haven't a fucking clue how anybody. Yeah. I'm actually just like, I, I, I looked to see, the only thing I looked for today was if the United Liverpool were playing today or tomorrow. And when I saw the list of fixtures, yeah, I didn't see them. So, like, yeah, Southampton. them beat Arsenal. There you go.
0: Fucking so, so, so a a better team beat a worse team. <laughs>
1: yeah. Somebody was talking to me about the FA Cup for, fourth round, or you know, they're like how United are playing Liverpool again. It was like brilliant. Like the winner gets into the FA Cup fifth round. <laughs> Fucking amazing. <laughs> the loser gets put out of the FA Cup. Like, this game could not mean any less.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, would you rather have been playing Man United in the FA Cup or playing against Steve Bruce's Newcastle tonight?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's a good point. Do you know what? No, I'd rather have just gotten the points on the board because it's all well and good having games in hand. But when you're Villa, you're thinking, right, are we going to win these games in hand? That's the thing. Like, there was a stage there where... Oh, it was Leicester that were top of the league, and I was thinking, geez, if Villa won the four games in hand, they're top of the league, but I knew, <laughs> I knew they weren't going to win all four of them, and they've already lost one out of two. But yeah, we're going to get into some categories, I can't believe we dressed it in the FA Cup talk on the podcast, <laughs> we should just ban that in the future, sorry, it won't happen again, bear with us, categories and some awards after this. Roy Keen thinks Scott Poker is a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> In one single moment your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute staring straight into the ground, looking Roy up. Keane thinks everybody's a dweeb. <laughs> well, in, frown. Please let me show you where we could only just be for us. I, can I just thought every time he cut back from Parker being interviewed, for some reason he you was being interviewed two or three times before the game. An and uh must, talking shit and obviously and, <laughs> and every time he cut back, it looked like Roy, like Roy Keem was holding on a laugh. And, the and the 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 it looked ice like ice you know, Carragher had that little knowing look it. that he has sometimes, you when know, when he knows what somebody's laughing at or whatever.
0: Like, he's a proper football bloke, you know, and he, he tries to pretend that he's intelligent as well, so then pretentious football writers can get behind him. Scott, and Roy Keane, just, that's absolute fodder for Roy Keane, you know, he, he, he snuffs that out immediately, he hates bullshit, and you're right, he hates Scott Parker. But her mind has been made up. Like even at the end of that game, the story isn't fucking Scott Parker. The camera's all on Scott Parker's face. Aston <laughs> Villa have just climbed into the Champions League places, never to
1: be dislodged. That's the story. It's not fucking Scott Parker getting spanked again. The Ashley Westwood Oh, He Was Playing award. I've got two nominations. One of them you could have predicted from ten weeks down the road. I don't even think you would have gotten odds for it. Can you guess who it is? It has to
0: be Jeff Hendrick.
1: <laughs> You're buying on. <laughs> there was of a, course it's Jeff Hendrick.
0: The start of the second half. It was the camera was obviously on this side, on this side. The camera was uh, on Newcastle's right wing, and Jeff Hendrick just drifted into it. And I heard the commentator say his name, and I was like, "Fucking hell, Jeff Hendrick <laughs> is playing." <laughs> Christ almighty that is just pathetic by all accounts he is emblematic of this Newcastle team for the last couple of weeks I've heard nothing but bad things about him from Newcastle fans
1: yeah I, mean, I saw a stat as well that he was like 290 of something in terms of tackles in the Premier League which is incredible like you know think about how many players there are playing every week in the Premier League so you have 11 times 20 to start off which was 220 starting and then you have well, a few more subs each. Like You'd you, you be doing well, you're up to 300 regular players. He's 290th in the tackle charts. And he's playing for a Newcastle team in midfield who have 20% possession in every game. His only <laughs> job is to tackle and work hard. And he can't even do that. And like He was just made for this award. Like we, we know it from watching him playing for Ireland. And, and hearing the talk about how talented Jeff Henrik is, all through his career, Jeff Henrik actually had a really good Euros. I can't I can't believe how well he timed that. He did played really well against Sweden for Ireland. Did well against Belgium in a three 0 hammering, and he did good against Italy. So he had three good games in the groups, and he did one really good thing in the qualifying against Georgia when he took a passer to player. Mm. Like this, uh, this is what I remember. I guess I, I shouldn't remember. Three games, three games and 10 seconds of Jeff Hendrick. You shouldn't remember like, him
0: dribbling past the Georgia player. You didn't remember a Georgia game?
1: <laughs> yeah. I only remember because they won 1 0. They had a win. I think they had beaten Germany, and it was like, if they don't win this, what was the point of that? And Hendrick's moment of magic in the second half set up John Walters. And yeah, like I actually do believe that he can do things. And he's just gotten himself into a mindset and into a rut where he just will no longer even look uh, look forward or think about doing things. And he is so comfortable playing with Steve Bruce. Like, probably moving to, to Burnley from Derby was a bad move for him, going under Sean Dice, moving up a level into the Premier League. Uh, you know, probably does something to a man feeling like a bit of imposter syndrome. And then just fading into that that mindset. Like, I will just Work hard and not make a mistake because <laughs> the Pavlovian response is I'm getting rewarded for
0: it. Yeah, and the mistake he's making, of course, is not playing football when he's on a football pitch. I mean, <laughs> my my abiding memory of that Georgia bit of trickery that he did was how shocked everybody was. It's like I didn't yeah. know Jeff Henrik had that in his locker, and it turns out, despite John Mulder saying afterwards that oh yeah he has that in his locker, the rest afraid- of us were all right. He doesn't have it in his fucking locker. <laughs> he had it one time and he threw it out. And even when you were adding up those sums there, you added in twenty goalkeepers as well to the list of players that he's fucking behind.
1: Yeah, right enough. That's like obviously honestly that that is a joke of a stat. Like, you know, I, I just remember looking and um you know, there were some forward players who w- would have no interest whatsoever in tackling ahead of them. Like, you know, people who just probably had to do the odd thing. Um I, I don't know what he's doing if he's not tackling to be honest, like that, that's the point the other only other player I have for this is another Newcastle player of course, it's Callum Wilson and it's not because I'm not trying to have a dig because I know Villa were trying to sign him and I know he's doing alright this season it's just, I, I genuinely when, when I looked at the team sheet afterwards I was like, fuck Newcastle were playing two strikers <laughs> and, you know, obviously I saw Andy Carroll because he's a scumbag and he takes up a lot of space and then Wilson was also there, and I was like, "What? What did he do?" And like, just the idea that Newcastle were playing two strikers in that game is is unbelievable. Well, this is
0: the steepest way,
1: Connor. <laughs> Fucking
0: five, three, two, one, zero. Fucking nothing. They're useless. <laughs> um, Callum Wilson was not, Yeah, he wasn't in the game at all. Andy, you're right. Andy Carroll floated past the screen a few times, like just because he's so unmissable. And, yeah, Callum Wilson, what is he thinking now? Like, that that game really re- must have emphasised him how much he fucked up in the summer. How could yeah. he possibly have thought that going to Newcastle was a better idea than going to Villa? Like, what an th- absolute cock-up.
1: Like, the only thing I can think of... Uh, like, you know, money wouldn't have been an issue. It's maybe you would end up paying more, but like all he has to say there is like, no, nah, I want to go to Villa. You know, and that would happen. Um, I'd say Villa were set on signing Ollie Watkins as well. And I'd say Smith was honest in, in maybe telling Wilson that. You know, and maybe telling him, you know, we're, we're going to be playing Greenwich, we're going to be playing Watkins. There'll, there'll be opportunities. <laughs> you know, I'd say but he, he just didn't tell him that you're going to be our striker to score 15 goals.
0: There's there's absolutely no doubt about it that, that Dean Smith wanted Ollie Watkins and he suits the whole style of play in the system a lot better than Callum Wilson would have, but still like play be an impact sub for Aston Villa over playing for Steve Bruce's Newcastle United every yeah. day of the fucking week, he would score more goals for Villa as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like living off scraps. Uh, you like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. Which could be renamed. You took Jack Grealish off or <laughs> um, <laughs> just a bad managerial decision. I've got two. Sort of touched on it already. Villa dropping off in the second half. I, I, I think that might have been an instruction. Just with the lack of tempo that they brought to the game, and like I said, Newcastle were begging to be spanked, and a third goal would have ended that game, and it would have like they would have lost all interest and. Although Villa were just comfortable anyway, like when you're two 0 up, still a corner could just drop badly. Tyro Mings could do something. <laughs> you know, it. suddenly it's two one, and the game's panicky when it does not need to be. Just like I thought, the message in the in the break should have been get out and get that third goal because what? Like what there was no risk. Like you weren't leaving yourself open to Newcastle. <laughs> you know, you could have been as adventurous as you wanted. That wouldn't have changed Newcastle's approach. Or how dangerous they were, they were still waiting for. I don't know what they were waiting on, they're waiting for a corner or something. Yeah, but you know, sort of, you weren't leaving yourself exposed, but there
0: was also no risk that Newcastle were going to score score two goals. So the imperative <laughs> to get a third just didn't exist. There was no need for Villa to try anything. Like, you could have taken off Grealish earlier, which would have pissed them off more, but you know, the amount of counter that were just available to Aston Villa, it, it could have pulled a hamstring. I know this is doomsday stuff, but like you know, what is the point of taking that risk against this absolutely shadow team they were playing against? Yeah, Newcastle were not going to score two goals. If Newcastle were still out on that pitch with Villa on the bus back to their house or back to the training ground, wherever they're going, Newcastle still wouldn't be scoring. <laughs> they're absolutely
1: fucking dreadful. <laughs> I wonder actually if Villa weren't on the pitch, like, would Newcastle still be crossing them in? I'm trying to score that way rather than just scoring in an empty net.
0: They're playing a seventy yard pass up to Andy Carroll and the old Callum Open's playing.
1: <laughs> and when Andy Carroll still be climbing over the top of nobody, you are know, trying to get his head like just desperately on to the end of something with nobody marking him. Anyway, um oh well, who who do you have who who won the IC Westwood Award? I have Jeff ah, Henrik. Jeff Henrik. Yeah, definitely. Uh only our nomination for the Glenn Whedon. 90th minute penalty award is <laughs> Steve Bruce deciding to do things his own way <laughs> <laughs> so that's two games now where he said the gloves are off I'm doing things my way now 3-0 2-0 <laughs> and two hammerings um, and, and again this is this is sort of what we're saying like they didn't like Steve Bruce's way is is to do nothing and just hope that Andy Carroll scores a header but like they're not doing anything to put Andy Carroll or anybody in a position to score a header. They, like it's it's a weird logic. It's like, let's just not take any risk and something might come off. But how can someone come off if you're not working on someone coming off? Yeah. It's strange. Like how do you get a corner? Like they got a couple in the end, but do you know what I mean? They're they're not putting any pressure, not trying to exploit anything on Villa's part. They're just assuming that something will drop and it didn't. Like, not how close to it dropped. No, and even even playing a five-three-two, 3
0: like, and it definitely very much was a five-three-two. 3 like, Manquillo and Lewis were given off and Jamal Lewis was a, a, a bit better than Manquillo but like, they weren't getting the ball into Carroll. So you have yeah. to assume that the Steve Bruce way is to just lump it long to Carroll and you can flick it on to Wilson a little and large. The problem with that is Carroll's up against Tyrone Mings, who's as big and yeah. strong as him. And Kanza is marking Callum Lewis. Yeah. That cannot work. And he knows what Villa's defence is. The Villa haven't changed their team at all. Never mind their backline. There's no surprises about what Aston Villa are doing. So don't just go out and hope that Andy Carroll's going to flick a ball on to a player who can't beat the player that's marking him. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Bruce wins this award. The Veiman meter, uh, so, Andreas Veiman. I can never hate you, meter.
1: Yeah, like, so going up, and actually, well, just just on that. So obviously, the I can never hate you reasoning behind us. Emmy uh, Martinez has gone too far up, so he's not he's not on this meter anymore. If he starts playing badly, then he might come back onto it. Somebody getting close to coming off his meter is Ezra Kanza, because he's going up again, and like he must be at the roofs now as well, um, and you talked about Andy Carroll, like there was one moment where Kanza was with Carroll, and rather than going up with him, he just, he just stayed down and went to the other side, knowing where Carroll would turn, I just nicked the ball off him and ran out, everything just looks so easy for Kanza. he's so fast, he's smart, he's calm, he's strong, reads the game unbelievably well, he's, he's brilliant, and you know what, he's actually, I saw him walking off in the last game against City, pissed off obviously, had another great game, and I just like, you know, he's just, he's just holding himself like a man who's grown up very quickly. I remember, <laughs> I think I was not writing him off, but having questions about him after the, was it the, did he score against Burnley or Watford? And uh remember it hit off Tyrone Mings's arse and he found out afterwards mm. that it wasn't his goal. And everybody liked it and he collapsed to the ground, you know, in disappointment. And I was like, Jesus. This <laughs> 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 isn't the mentality I want, especially not a centre half. You know, we scored a goal, won the match. Who cares, mate? And, uh, but he doesn't see, like it seems like if that happened again, though, I think he wouldn't care because he sees his value and he knows that he's becoming a really good player and that's what I like about him.
0: Ah, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's an incredibly clever and nuanced defender as well. Even just the way he closed off the space and the options for those three Newcastle players that he had to deal with because of Theron Mings' brain fart. (laughs) It was just that, that sums him up. He was able to cover the space and when he gets into that space then he makes the right decision which was just let the Newcastle player make a shit choice.
1: Yeah, going up as well, I think I've got four going up. Marvellous Nakamba. So, Nakamba was very good. Nakamba was turning on the ball and looking forward. He was as sharp as he would expect. He was as energetic as he would expect. Made him. They didn't make a difference. It made a difference to the game. Caught out ball. And he kept it going very fast. And... Now I know it's easier against Newcastle. Especially when they're playing three midfielders. And, and one of them is John Shelby. Who's trying to cover the right wing. Which is bizarre. Um, he wasn't telegraphing his passes. They weren't as obvious. And as I said, there was more zip in him. More zip in his play. Looked good. No, I know. Again, the caveat is against Newcastle, but he's he's moving up. I I didn't have him very high.
0: No, and it it is a very very big caveat. But he, no, he was he was very good. Yeah, and I was I was annoyed and worried about it, like before the match. I was thinking, what sort of a replacement for John McGinn is Marvelous Nakamba? Yeah, and I'm I'm not a big fan of of switching your team around just to replace a player. I think you should just be bringing a player directly in. Because by by bringing in Marvelous Nakamba, then not only have we lost John McGinn, we have now lost Douglas Louise because he's no longer playing in the the midfield role. Yeah, he, he's playing more advanced. So we now lost our our most defensive player and John McGinn. So it, it was just needless. I thought I thought Ramsey could just come in and do do the job that John McGinn had been doing, but Marvelous Nakamba absolutely justified the decision.
1: Going up for the second week in a row. And probably for the first time that's happened is Mr. Matt Target.
0: Yeah, I mean, finally, our motivational technique, our tough love approach of pretending that we think Matt Target is shite <laughs> is paying dividends. He was <laughs> sensational in defence against City and he was solid again tonight. And he was absolutely vicious, vicious in attack. He was, He was really good. It, like this is the last back we can get on board with, right? Absolutely. I, I assume this is the player that that we thought we were signing. Yeah. The, the the last two games, he's he's been really really good. Bad in possession against City, but that's you know there's mitigating circumstances there. there's has been being swarmed by City players. You'd still like somebody who's a bit calmer and a bit more willing to take risks. But tonight he was he was brilliant.
1: So I was thinking about it. You're right, like about the city thing. It obviously is. A, like that's a caveat. Uh, how well they're set up and how manic they are. But and I did mention it in the last podcast what he needs to do to get better. What he what he needs to do. Like, so maybe he's not going to be that player who makes the decisions and he's quick thinking and he's brave in position. Obviously, he's got a good left footy. Every time he, he gets that opportunity to bend it around the back of the fence, it he, he generally nails it. And like vicious balls, as you said, good description. But he needs to. What he needs to stop doing, though, is feeling like he has to give it to Grealish all the time. And, like, like obviously, you want the ball going to Grealish, but he is just giving it to him no matter what. Like, you you mentioned on Wednesday, the the chip that he played him, like, you know, at the edge of the box, his own box. Just, like, feeling like he had to give Grealish the ball whatever way he could. Like, because that's affecting what's happening in those tight areas. Somebody else can get the ball to Grealish when Grealish is in a better position. The target often just gives it to him and and disappears in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so maybe he just needs to play his strengths a bit more rather than us focusing on his weaknesses and him focusing on his weaknesses. Just either give it to somebody else and get down that flank where he can whip that ball in, or, yeah, just just stick to the tackling, saving your energy or whatever. But, you know, we don't need him to be a player that he's obviously not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even by not giving the ball to Grealish as well, it'll save Grealish from himself. Because Grealish, yeah. Grealish has a bad habit of dropping Good two feet and taking the balls in positions he shouldn't be. So if Matt Target just doesn't give it to him, Grealish will have to drift into the positions we actually want him to be in again. Yeah. Instead of just having the ball with John Joe Shelby up his arse and then having to play it back to Terrell Mings. So Terrell Mings can hit the ball as hard as he can.
1: Going up, Ollie Watkins. Yeah, we talk about this. Loads. I, I I don't think I'll ever get sick of talking about Ollie Watkins, but I've got nothing fresh yet. He's just... He's just a brilliant striker. Like he, he just he does everything he wants. He, he holds the ball up better than I've ever seen. He runs the lines. He's smart. He's energetic. He gets out of the way. He takes. He does decoy runs to free up Grealish. You know he's he's selfless. He's selfish in that he wants to score as well, which is good. He scored tonight, which is always great. Scored an amazing goal. that He was offside for. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I just. I just love this man.
0: Ollie Watkins has everything. There's, there's nothing that Ollie Watkins can't do in football. He's a perfect... Is, is he lacking a of bit
1: of pace? No, he's not. This is, Ollie Watkins has
0: got plenty enough pace to be playing centre-forward. Especially no, you... so there
1: there was one... Oh, there was one where I think somebody played him a good pass and he wasn't through and it was bouncing sort of in front of him and there was a defender on the inside. You know, he ended up just pulling it back to Greenish, really, you know. He, he, he carried it into the box, turned around, and you know, teed up somebody. to in the box, but I was thinking, Gabby, Gabby was straight <laughs> through on goal.
0: But do you know what else Gabby doesn't do? <laughs> Anything up? else
1: that Ollie Watkins can do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Sorry, what were you saying? I was cutting you off. No, no he, like he's, he's just—he's perfect. Like,
0: there was one where, like, I've never seen somebody with such a good first touch. It's like, it's absolutely like, the. T- And it's not just his first touch is really clean and perfect. It's the type of passes that he's controlling cleanly and (laughs) perfectly. Like there was one that Emmy Martinez just booted 80 yards on the pitch again. I remember the first two or three games we saw Ollie Watkins play for Villa. We we noticed this where he was just taking stupid balls down with consummate ease. Mm. Cushioning the ball on his head that was just (laughs) dropping from the sky with snow on it. And there was one there today where it was played out to the right wing. And he's running in the up in the same direction as the ball. And he controls it with the outside of his right foot and just turns back inside. The ball's a yard away from him. It's absolutely ludicrous stuff. Yeah. And he makes it look so simple. I mean, nothing came of it. He just holds the ball up and plays it back. And it was fine. It was a good bit of hold-up play and we kept possession. But he, like just to have that in his game, but to also just have quick step over drilling into the bottom corner, to have the cushioned header and the... The cleverness to see that Barclay is in a better position than him, so that Barclay can try that back heel. Yeah. Like, you know, every other centre-forward in the Premier League tries to score there, and the keeper just catches it in his stomach, picking cherries. It was... He's just... He's a brilliant player. He's so clever, and he's got a, an abundance of technical skills.
1: I only have... No, do you know what? I don't even have any players going down, but I've got one suggestion somebody going down on the meter is Douglas Louise and we've already mentioned that sort of playing out of position, his role's definitely different. And and I like he was actually grand, but I just thought in the second half and again this is this is all in the context of me growing frustrated then at how you know laboured the match became and how pedestrian Villa became just Dougie just seemed a bit more sloppy. You know, when he gave away a couple of fouls and you know, lost the ball a few times, just, just for a lack of like, I actually thought, you know what? In fairness, I thought he was really good in the first half. He just, he was on it. He was alert, he calmed things down when things looked a bit frantic, and then just grew a little bit sloppy in the second half or thought.
0: Yeah, we know with we know that's in Dougie's game though. This is the persistent worry with Douglas Louise that he'll switch off, and though he hasn't done it in a few months, I mean, yeah, in a game like that. It's very easy to, to believe that Douglas Louise will, will start drifting himself along with the game. He was the, he was the first person to do it. He, he led that sloppiness him into
1: roamings, which is exactly what you would expect. <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Does Jack Greenish have himself in the fantasy team?
0: <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Of
1: course he doesn't even think about that. Why was I confused about this? <laughs> I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, <laughs> you know, probably probably triple captain himself as well. In the one that he had two games.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> um, who who do you think actually? Good question. So, do you think he has three Villa players in his team? You're allowed three. Who do you think the other two are? If he, if he could, if he did pick three.
0: Oh, it's it's definitely Ollie Watkins anyway because he can control how many goals Ollie Watkins gets. <laughs> Good point. And it's it's Ross Barkley because we saw how how excited he was about signing Ross Barkley. Maybe that's just because it was an older player to to mess around with up top, and he also obviously rates him.
1: i uh, yeah, I think that's actually bang on. I was going to suggest a defender, but then. I realize that he, he just doesn't care if Villa can see. <laughs> like, I think he's disappointed. It depends on the context, but there was one stage where Cash was out of position. Bertrand Ferrari had lost the ball, and Grealish had filled in at right back. And again, I, I think Grealish knows now that he has to cover this run. He's now playing right back, and he just comes inside, doesn't care. <laughs> he, just, he knows by coming inside, he's maybe leaving a a left winger to go down the flank and cause a bit of damage, but didn't care, just drifted inside and wanted to go back on the attack. So well, I think he, he did I think that was clear that he did not care about getting four points for the clean sheet.
0: I'll just say it to you again, Conan, does he know that he has to cover the left? Yeah.
1: That's a question we can't answer to be honest. Um you mentioned Ross Barkley. Is Ross Barkley enjoying himself at Villa? <laughs> Couple of rueful
0: smiles when he had a, a one or two misses. That header that he definitely should have scored with, and flick yeah. uh, back heel. Ah, uh, he must be like are a really good team. And not only are they a good team, they're a good team who play good football. And Ross Barkley is a footballer. Um, <laughs> by which I mean he likes to play nice, intricate football. Uh so he has to be enjoying it. I mean, Douglas Louise, John McGinn. Jack Grealish, Bertrand Ferrari, Ollie Watkins are all really, really nice, tidy, intricate footballers and it must be an absolute joy to play in that front six.
1: Yeah, I think it is. Like, you know, big, big smile arm around Bertrand Ferrari as well. Like, the first one over celebrating with him. Mm. Do you know, it just seemed at the start, remember I was telling you at the start it was like, you know, Chelsea player or England player and stuff on his on his Twitter bio. I just um, it didn't seem as keen to, like, Rushed in with the celebrations unless it was him scoring. He, uh, ah, he seems part of it, a big part of it though. Maybe as well when he was injured, he, he just became a bit more ingraced in the club, it in the club. Um, ah, anyway, I'm talking shit. What, what do you think Steve Bruce's team talk was before the match? Like genuinely. Keep keep it tight. Make sure we're first at the set piece crosses keep an eye on Greenish on the left. <laughs> I, can't, I can't... Do you know what, actually? Oh, do you know what? The worst thing any manager can do, right, is constantly talk about the other team mm. and how good they are and how you know how on it they're going to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, they're a really good side. They're, they're a serious outfit. They're going to be really up for this. This is a tough place to go. They're going to be in your face. Steve yeah. Bruce 100% is the chief of that shit. Yeah. Like I'd say he does not shut up about how good the other team is going to be and we need to be ready for it. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I'd say you're right about that and then i say he ends it with, you know, just don't forget lads, keep it tight and we'll be there thereabouts come the end of the game.
1: <laughs> Do you actually, there's a good question, does Steve Bruce think that they were there thereabouts come the end of the game? <laughs>
0: I can just see on my laptop there that he flashed up on the screen being interviewed about 20 minutes ago. And I was going to mention it. And then I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about Steve Bruce anymore. (laughs) So grim. Just brings back too many bad memories, dark days in my life, whenever I was a less enjoyable person to be around than I am
1: now. (laughs) I I was filling my girlfriend in on it, on the whole Steve Bruce thing. They're telling her what a nice fella he is just just not up to the job they'll expect it more and uh so we were watching him anyway and the camera caught him and she goes he does look like a cabbage actually <laughs> <laughs> I said like, no I think it was more that, that he was a cabbage <laughs> oh Christ uh, who would you all have Mick make my first, Steve first
0: oh Mick McCarthy has got a better sense of humor, does he? <laughs> uh, like, Jesus Christ, like what a what a question to throw somebody.
1: How uh, uh, is this happening? Like you're talking about the fat referees. Like this Would is you... the Premier League. Millions yeah. and millions of pounds at stake. And Steve Bruce is still managing at the highest level of football.
0: After absolutely cocking up at Aston Villa, one of the biggest clubs in the country, he couldn't get them out of the championship. Like I said last week, they were 14th in the Championship when they had the best player in the country on the team. And then he went to Sheffield Wednesday and did fuck all. Fuck all is right. And then he gets his dream job after that. After Rafa. After Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, would you would you rather have a punch in the face or a kick in the balls? Like, you know, that's that's the question you've asked me.
1: Who's the kick in the balls? <laughs> like, Mick, Mick McCurvey, like cocked up in Cyprus <laughs> and now he's getting a job at Cardiff and, and I bet that they've fallen in, into this trap like because they've obviously got rich owners and they, they want to get to the Premier League because well obviously that's that changes everything if you get there mm. and and they've gone for Mick McCurvey and the stat that flashes up is no one only Steve Bruce and is it Need Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCurvey and and he's got promoted twice. And I thought, like that's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up and then progressed their careers. To, like, Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Brendan Rogers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. There's a reason Steve Bruce has it four times because he keeps getting B-tier clubs. And Mick McCarthy has it twice because he's actually worse than Steve Frisch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like not only did he fuck
0: up in Cyprus, he fucked up with the only club in Cyprus. Apple and Nicosia have a monopoly there. This is, like, this is like being in the relegation zone with Bayern Munich. That's the job he did over there. Now, I know they weren't in great shape whenever he got there, but Christ almighty, how did he get employed after that?
1: Oh, I don't know, I don't know um, he might get the Newcastle job after Steve Bruce. Uh last one what the fuck were Arsenal thinking? yeah, it's, a, it's
0: an interesting one I, 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 I've, I've said this before whenever whenever we signed him and Bert Leno was obviously a good goalkeeper as well, but I was suspicious like he had a good run towards the end of last season at Arsenal but I was really suspicious because of his age and the lack of games he had played I think he averaged about 10 games a season over his whole career up until the point yeah. that I was him. but I cannot I cannot explain it it's it's absolutely ludicrous that he hasn't had doesn't hasn't played 200 games that he hasn't got a full body like you know hasn't got a a cabinet full of trophies that he isn't regarded as yeah. one of the best goalkeepers in the league I think he's, he's absolutely insanely good to the point that against Man City and again tonight was the first time I saw him drop the ball but on both occasions I knew he was fouled because he just <laughs> had to have been because Eni Martinez doesn't drop the ball yeah and so like there was no there was no moment where I sat up and thought, Oh fuck, they're gonna score because I just knew it was a foul. I was completely relaxed, just as relaxed as Emmy Martinez is,
1: whenever anything comes into his box. Twenty-eight years of age, like he's the only gonna keep getting better. Is is he is he the best passer? Like he's not he's probably not better than say Ederson or Allison. But like maybe from his hands he is. I know there, there was that amazing pass that Allison played, uh Salah set him through that time it was it last season or the season before but like Martinez does this every game where he, he and he's always looking for it as well throws mm. it up pings it with the outside of his boot like anybody try to pass an outside of the boot pass it's tough If you, like, it's so easy to get it wrong mm. and he never gets it wrong he just puts it right in front of whoever's running and he always looks so disappointed when nobody's running because it's like I'll find you just go mm. I'll find you
0: Great feat for a big man, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, it is. It's one of his life's great mysteries. One cap for Argentina, although I see he's back in the in their squad now. Of course, he is. Like he's going to um, he's going to go from strength to strength. Like he's the perfect age. He's he's actually you could probably equate him to like say Villa signed Barkley. You know, Martinez is in that calibre as well. And if they go and sign somebody else, of that calibre, then suddenly yeah. you're you're. Fill in the spine. Douglas Roues is going to get better. Watkins is going to get better. Oof boy, I'm getting excited again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, like Villa did such a good job of bookending their team. Like Ollie Watkins and Emmy Martinez have improved the team so much. And like yeah, I said earlier on, Villa finished seventeenth last year and I know they've made improvements. Like, but when you think about it, it's not only not only are Emmy Martinez and Ollie Watkins brilliant players, they've replaced Ali Samata and Iron in Nyland. Like, how much better are Aston Villa is easily explained just by looking at those two incredibly important positions.
1: Yeah. That's it. That's it, That's it in a nutshell. And the good news is it's Burnley on Wednesday night. So regardless of the result, is like I know these games, you can be nervous going into them. But there's a beauty in knowing that no matter what happens, you're going to be controlling the whole match you're going to be dominating it it'll be annoying like think about the west ham match that was really annoying that they didn't they didn't win really annoying but it was just enjoyable because you didn't feel nervous or under pressure like that man city game was arch clenched and stuff but you know when you're playing these teams with these shit managers you just you just sit back knowing that like you're going to be opening them up with regular ease and you just hope Jesus, remember the last Burnley game. Like, <laughs> you just hope that one of them will will hit the net this time. I'll tell and you what. Hope. If oh. Aston
0: Villa have twenty seven shots against Burnley this time and they don't score, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not doing a fucking podcast.
1: <laughs> and you just hope as well that Chris Wood doesn't head the ball up into the air and then Ashley Barnes volleys it in. You know, like that's the, that's how Burnley might might get you. Um, yeah, Wednesday night, six o'clock. We're back on the road. Doesn't feel like a squash fixerness, to be honest, does it? There's <laughs> a whole, um, whole big thing. Villa are playing five games in twelve days. It's, uh it's quite spread out, to be honest. Get used to it, baby.
0: This is Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. This is what it's going to be next season in the Champions League.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Might need to start making some fucking subs. Uh, maybe Cal, <laughs> maybe Callum Wilson will <laughs> will come by that stage. Get his agent to reach out when Mick McCarthy takes over Newcastle. <laughs> well that's all we have for you thanks for joining us um yeah thanks for for listening the whole time give us an old review please do if you're using apple on itunes that that helps and if you want to get in touch with us just send us an old email at thevillapodcast at gmail.com that's always very much appreciated and we always get a bit of crack from people who do send an email so that could be you you could have your email read out on this very podcast that's the book. I will see you on Wednesday. My name, and wait, or I'll never get on.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50